We continue our series, Faith in Exile, looking for lessons from the experiences of the ancient Jews while they were exiled in Babylon. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of grief, admitting what you've lost before you can do anything else. Last week, we talked about the need to keep the faith, or at least the essential parts of faith, even under less than favorable circumstances. This week, we're going to talk about the need and even God's expectation that we adapt. You see, when the Jews were carried off into exile in Babylon, they recognized it as a punishment from God. They had clearly done something wrong. So God had allowed them to be defeated, allowed them to be carried into exile, and they simply needed to properly repent, confess their sins, and promise not to do them again, and God would restore them, restore the holy city of Jerusalem, allow them to again worship in God's holy temple. And there were leaders among the ex those in exile, particularly prophets evidently, who told those in exile that they just needed to wait. Wait for God to work through this stage of punishment, and then God will carry us back, just as we were, into Jerusalem, so we can resume life as God's people. And as part of that waiting, they weren't supposed to do anything. They weren't supposed to get married or have any more kids. They certainly weren't supposed to, um, in any way, live like the Babylonians around them. They had to remain separate, pure in some instances, so that they were ready for God's favor to return and to then return them to independence in Jerusalem. The prophet Jeremiah sends a letter saying that those are false prophecies, misunderstood, misinterpreted dreams that that indeed is not God's desire at all. In fact, Jeremiah reveals to those in exile what we know through the hindsight of history, that they will remain in Babylon for 70 years, three to four generations, which is to say that those who have gone into exile will die in exile. And only whatever children and grandchildren they have will have the opportunity to return to a restored, a reestablished Jerusalem. And so there's no waiting. Yes, repentance is important, but they need to get busy living. In fact, Jeremiah gives them very explicit instructions from God. Build houses, plant gardens, and eat from them. Get married. Encourage your children to get married. Have more children. Encourage your children to have children and their children to have children. Don't pray and wish for the destruction of those who have carried you into captivity. That will happen in its course. Instead, pray for the welfare of the people around you and even the government over you because you can only do as well as God wants you to do if those around you benefit and flourish as well. 
You may not know it, but I have hopes and dreams for you, says the Lord. And they're full of hope. But the important thing, the essential thing, is you can't wait for them to happen. You have to live them out now. You have to adapt. I mean, part of that, not just having more children, but helping your children, your sons to take wives and giving your daughters in marriage, it means that some of them are going to marry Babylonians. And that is okay. And that some of you are going to pray for the benefit of people who, well, don't worship God, don't believe in God. And that is okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's necessary. You see, for the the Jews, while they were exiled in Babylon, for them not only to survive, but for them to thrive in the way that God wanted them to, they had to stop trying to be the Jews they were when they lived in Jerusalem. They had to stop following all of the rigid laws and practices that they had been taught from their birth for how to be good Jews. They had to be less judgmental of the people who were not Jews, more accepting of them, even accepting of them as part of their own family, more generous towards them hoping and praying for their welfare and for blessings, for good things to happen in their lives. They had to be not so focused on themselves, but focused also on everyone around them. In short, they had to, in some ways, become good neighbors of the Babylonians. They had to adapt. They had to change. But most importantly, they had to do something. They couldn't just wait for God to fix it all and change it all back to how it was before. Because, spoiler alert, even when God intervenes after the 70 years and the children and grandchildren of those taken into exile return to Jerusalem, it's not going to be the same as it was before things will be different. Some things will be different in good ways, and many things will just be different in completely unforeseen and unimaginable ways. There will be no going back. Just like the ancestors when they left slavery in Egypt, there was no going back to slavery in Egypt. They had new tasks new ways of life to explore and develop and to live out, to become the people that God wanted them, needed them to be. You probably can imagine what I think the implications are for the circumstances we face today. I mean, there are a lot of us that are just waiting for things to get back to normal. Though as the weeks go by, That seems less and less likely, doesn't it? But more to the point, after we get through the whole experience of this pandemic and hopefully some sort of conclusion to it, whether through better medical treatment or a vaccine or simply the virus dying out, whatever it is, our way of life, at least 
for a few years will be different than it has been. That is unavoidable. And so if we wait for things to get back to how they've always been, we're going to be waiting for something that's never going to happen. Instead, we have to find ways to plant gardens now. We have to build houses and get married and have kids and grandkids. and We have to live now. We have to try to discern and live out the dreams that God has for us today. Look, it's not just this time of pandemic that causes us to wait. I mean, there are parts of our personalities that tell us we just aren't ready for certain things that maybe God thinks and knows we are ready for. We can't do certain things because we don't have a big enough house. We don't have the right car or the right job or the right amount of money in a checking account. We don't have the right experience. We're not the right age. We don't have the right personality. I imagine that there have been times in your life where you've thought there was something maybe you were supposed to do, maybe even you wanted to do, but you held back. You held back because of all these things that meant you weren't ready, meant it wasn't the right time. And sometimes that was a good instinct. Sometimes that was the Holy Spirit whispering into your ear and saying, Yeah, that's a pretty far out there dream. It may not be God's dream for you right now. But other times, other times I think those things are just excuses. Excuses and rationalizations because we're we're afraid to live out things in new ways, to try new things. We're afraid that we might fail. Sometimes we may even be afraid that we'll succeed and we don't know what will happen to our lives if we do. But the lesson of the prophet Jeremiah for the people in exile in Babylon is true for us today too. God doesn't want us to wait to live. God has dreams for our lives today. I'm reminded of the Shawshank Redemption. Towards the end of that movie, Red makes a decision and he says, get busy living or get busy dying. That's the truth. And in some ways, that's what we do. We can either wait and twiddle our thumbs and hope things will change around us, and maybe they will for the better. Or we can get busy. Living the lives that God wants us to live today. Lives full of love and generosity. Lives reaching out, concerned for the welfare of our neighbors, hoping for their success, praying for their success, sometimes working for their success, and recognizing that their flourishing, their well-being, is part of our flourishing and our well-being. Planting gardens and enjoying the fruits of those gardens. That is to say, working for things today that will come about in the near or not so near future, rather than waiting for circumstances to change for the better. That's one of the essential lessons of keeping the faith in exile, 
You can't wait for God to change everything back, to take you back to the life you knew before. Instead, you have to look around and say, well, this is where God has put me today. How can I be a blessing to somebody else around me today? How can I be a person of faith and prayer and love and hope and peace in this circumstance today? That's what the ancient Jews needed to learn. That's what many people of faith over the centuries have had to learn. I'm convinced it's a lesson that you and I are being reminded of and need to live out today. But take heart. There's one more sermon in this series. Because when we live out the lives that God has put in place for us, not only do we grow gardens and eat in the fall, not only do we get married and have children and grandchildren, there are unforeseen blessings, some that we probably can't even imagine, that God is working during this same time period. Sometimes blessings we'll only see in hindsight after our period in exile is at an end. We'll talk a little bit about those blessings, that realization for the ancient Jews, next Sunday.